Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Tom Guinan, and I'd like to welcome you to the July 24th episode of the bull bear banter. Cheyenne Dunham is joining me, and we'll recap the corn and soybean markets for the week. Cheyenne? All right, so for our market update this week, September corn futures lost a penny and three quarters on Friday, ending at 326 and a quarter, which was down six and three quarters cent from last Friday's close. December corn lost half a cent today, ending at 335, and that's four and three quarters cent lower for our week on week, which is giving up almost all of the five cents gain we saw last week. Switching over to soybeans, November was down three quarters of a cent at the close, and that was at 8.99 and a quarter, but that was up four and a quarter for the week. And finally, January soybeans were down a quarter of a cent today, and those closed at 9.04 and three quarters, gaining them five and a half cents from last Friday's close. Well, Cheyenne, the big story this week was, I guess, kind of hard to pinpoint. You know, we've been doing this podcast for about two years now, and I don't remember a week where there was so much information and very little in the way of big news. As you just pointed out, for the week, corn prices dropped about a nickel, and soybean prices gained about a nickel. It just feels like a continuation of much of the same information we've been looking at for several weeks now. In the hopes of not being a spoiler for the rest of the episode, this week we saw good corn exports, bad bean exports, local areas of the state missing some rains, and much of the rest of the state, and the country for that matter, getting beneficial rains. Are we headed for record production or a letdown? It really kind of depends on the exact location of the field or the fields you're talking about instead of just a general swath of a state or two. Well, with that, let's move on to the bull bear factors. For bull factors on corn, export inspections last week were a little higher than the range of expectations, and those came in at 45.2 million bushels which is up from the previous week's number of 36.1 million and way above the same week last year when we only saw 17.3 million bushels loaded. This also gets us back on track to finish the year at the USDA's estimate of 1.775 billion bushels and perhaps even exceed it. Over the past 10 weeks, we've averaged just shy of 44 million bushels per week and we now need less than 37 million per week through the end of August to hit the USDA's estimate. Export sales were only 8.7 million bushels last week, and those were down from the impressive 38.6 million reported the previous week. However, total commitments for the year are now at 1.721 billion. We just need about 54 million more sales in the next six weeks. Ethanol inventory dropped by more than 30 million gallons, hitting 832 million. This is the lowest level in almost four years. However, ethanol margins continue to erode lately. Heat and dryness are expected over the weekend. We know that many of you out there have been missing a lot of the rains that others in the state are receiving. This localized dry area is growing and starting to get more attention in the national news. While there is more speculation in the industry that the national yield could exceed 180 bushels per acre, there are others expecting larger-than-normal demand along with it. With the potential, if not likelihood, of another COVID-related shutdown in many parts of the globe, these analysts are starting to tout the idea that many of these countries will want higher-than-normal inventories for the foreseeable future 
to guard against running out of feed or food. This could lead to a very interesting situation and potentially better prices than would normally be the case with such a large crop. On the bare side for corn, the national crop ratings remained at 69% in the good to excellent categories, and while that is still above last year's number of 57%, locally it looks and feels worse. Iowa did drop three points, but it's still at 80%. The debate continues about crop size. Many in the industry still think we'll top the current USDA yield estimate of 178.5 bushels per acre nationally, with several now expecting 180 plus. The current crop ratings support that thinking. Minnesota also dropped this week down two points, but is still a pretty healthy 83%. Nebraska lost four points, coming in at 70%. Illinois gained two points to 63%, and Indiana is unchanged at 59%. Ethanol production last week dropped for the first time in 12 weeks, down to 267 million gallons from 274 million. It continues to appear that the USDA is about 50 million bushels too high on their estimate of corn demand for ethanol. Gasoline demand dropped again last week to 8.55 million barrels per day, down from 8.648 the previous week. This is the lowest demand in five weeks. All right, so our bull factors on soybeans. The sales report for last week showed new crop sales above market expectations at 91.6 million bushels. Old crop sales fell toward the low end of expectations at 13.4 million, and new crop sales now total 382 million bushels versus 111 million at the same time last year. The current total is the largest in six years for this time of year, but below the 500 million plus we saw during the 2012, 2013, and 2014, 2015 marketing years. We also continue to hear of more sales, especially to unknown. Many in the industry generally assume this means China, but in the past couple of days, we're hearing a different theory being thrown around out there. What if all these unknown sales are actually for a normal export customer, but just happening a little earlier than usual? The thinking is that people shipping to other countries don't want to get behind the large Chinese program. There is some evidence that this is impacting everything, not just soybeans. Japan recently bought some white wheat a lot earlier than normal, with the intent of getting it loaded before these new crop soybean sales to China can get into shipping position. This will be something to keep an eye on for the next month or so. As far as soybean bear factors, the crop ratings for soybeans gained a point in this week's report. Nationally, we're at 69% in the good to excellent categories. At this point last year, we were 54%, so quite a bit better than last year. For the week, Iowa did drop 4 points to 79%, and Minnesota lost 3 to get to 80%. Illinois gained 8 points, hitting 67%, and Indiana stayed at 60%. Nationally, 64% are blooming versus 35% last year and 57% on average. Iowa is 74% versus 41% last year and 62% on average. As far as setting pods, we're now at 25% nationally versus 20% on average. Iowa has 29% setting pods versus 19% on average. Export shipments last week were down a bit from the previous week, coming in at 16.6 million bushels versus 17.8 million previously. This is below the pace needed to reach the USDA's estimate for the year. We now need about 26.6 million bushels per week. Last week, that number was closer to 25 million. The gap keeps widening, 
and time is running short with only six weeks left until the end of the marketing year. An interesting side note, for the past 22 weeks, since the middle of February, not one week has met this current 26.6 million bushels of needed pace, and the last 10 weeks have all fallen short of the pace needed at that time, which is why this gap keeps growing. On our what to watch for in upcoming events, today we wrapped up the pricing period for our averaging contract for soybeans. We'll have full details available for that next week. August 12th is the next WASDE report. And for this day in history shows that July 24th, 1956 was the last performance of the comedy duo of Martin and Lewis. Many of the younger people in the audience might know Jerry Lewis as the longtime 44-year host of the Labor Day Muscular Dystrophy Telethon, and Dean Martin is probably known more as a singer and actor. But in their day, these two were the most popular live act there was, generating Beatles-type attention long before the Beatles were even thought about. And now for Tom's take. This week I spoke with a farmer that was unhappy with his local bid in comparison to a bid at another location in his area. His specific complaint was that the difference between these two points on the map should always be the same. I've heard this issue many times before, and at the risk of seeming unsympathetic, I feel like I need to address that thought. In order to put this into perspective, let's look at a real-life situation between two locations that are outside of the Landis territory. If you've listened before, you've probably heard me talk about my dad's grain elevator. Up until now, I don't think I've mentioned where that facility was located, but let's go there. Just get on Highway 30 and go to the last town to the west in the state of Iowa. You'll end up in Missouri Valley. Maybe you've been through there at some point. Dad owned the elevator on the west end of town. For the past 25 years, there has been a corn processing facility less than 15 miles away in Blair, Nebraska. At times, the bid in Missouri Valley is relatively close to the bid in Blair, Nebraska, especially during harvest. Our elevator could hold about a million and a half bushels of corn, and the plant in Blair could hold about three million. No problem during harvest. We're both going to do what we can to get filled up at harvest. The problem comes during the rest of the year. Our elevator might handle a total of two million bushels per year. The plant in Blair has a demand in excess of 100 million bushels per year. So does it make sense that the spread between these two should be a constant number? No, it really doesn't. The place with the higher demand is generally going to move their bids around a lot more to start and or to stop grain movement as needed. I mentioned to the farmer I spoke with that the only way to lock in the spread is to sell at the time when that spread is where you expect it to be or where you want it to be. In his specific case, the two locations he mentioned have the exact same bid for October 2020 delivery. So, I said the way to lock in that spread is to make a sale or to sell it at delivery. As I've thought about it a little more since our conversation, it's also occurred to me that there is another way to lock in that spread, especially if you want to retain ownership. This would be through an extended price contract. This is very similar to selling cash and buying the board that many of you have heard about in the past from many speakers. With our extended price contract, you make the cash sale, and then you decide if you want to remain in the market through February or April or June. If you want coverage through June, for example, we'd fix your futures portion against the July futures. If they rally and then you reprice, you're going to gain from that initial price. If the July futures drop and then you reprice, you're going to lose from that initial price. This is becoming a much more popular contract lately, mostly because it stops storage, or never lets it start, it keeps you in the market and can be used to generate a 70% cash advance. It takes a little bit of time to understand it, so if you have interest in this, we would encourage you to make an appointment with your local grain marketing advisor well ahead of harvest. 
We want you to understand it completely before you enter this contract or really any marketing alternative that we offer. Thanks for listening. I think that's all we have for you today. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at LandisCooperative.com. Our tagline is bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you again next week. <music>